1: Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a, is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up no matter what. All my guests have survived incredible circumstances and as a result have the passion to help others who may be going through something similar. And I think that if we can turn our pain into being able to speak from a platform where we can help others, it makes that so much better, even for ourselves When we can share our story in the light of rather than a victim mode, but one of being able to support and help those who may be going through something similar. And each of my guests have had that attitude, and I so appreciate it. Some of my guests have overcome extreme poverty and even became multimillionaires. Some have overcome abuse of so many different types and have been able to be stronger and to share their stories of how they overcame. Some have had serious depression or serious disease and are, were able to find a way to now live free from fear and pain as a result of their own efforts. All of my guests are special. They are all fighters, they are all winners, and they all want to share their story, giving us tips and insights, and how we too can overcome any kind of trauma. And not only just be survivors, but thrivers over and above the circumstances that we had encountered. Never Ever Give Up Hope is now heard in over 140 countries. That just shows how it doesn't matter where we are in this, on this globe. There are people who need to hear stories of encouragement and hope. None of us are immune to tragedy, to circumstances that are beyond our control, and any other number of traumas. So I thank you to all my guests, and I certainly thank all my listeners, because without you, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for sharing the show. And, and we are so happy that now when we do a Google search, never, ever give up hope comes up number one on the first couple pages on google this is exciting and i'm so happy that the word is getting out that this show is one of encouragement and hope so thank you again with me today i have judy Glennie. judy has a bs degree in physical education she married a weightlifter and she became intrigued with the sport but there was no competition for women now, if when you get to know Judy, you'll know that you don't say no to Judy. Judy is a type of person that she will find a way, and that's what she did. And it was a long long process, but she was able to get it started nationally, then internationally, and finally into the Olympics. She personally has won several national and international championships, and at 40, she started her family and had one child, a son. This is what we're going to be talking about mostly today, is her son. Judy is a dynamic author and a speaker who deals with a very sensitive and extremely timely issue of transgenderism. I had the privilege of meeting Judy before she even wrote her book the name of her book is mom i'm a girl and when i met her and she told me that she would like um my opinion and i was quite impressed that she would ask me that and and very much intrigued and when she finished her book she sent it to me and i literally couldn't put it down there are many books out there that claim to be page turners. This one is. Mom, I'm a Girl is a page turner. And transgenderism is not a subject that I have really much information about and it hasn't touched my life as far as I know personally. There, she is such an incredible writer that you are grabbed from the very first page and you do not want to put the book down you want to hear not just her story but how it relates to us in life in problems in circumstances in overcoming them she is a remarkable lady and i am so glad to not only have met her in person but to have her here on the show today welcome Thank you so much, Carol. It's a real pleasure
2: to be with you today.
1: Judy, every one of us, I believe, is going to be able to relate with your story in some way, and your pain, your joy, etc. When you wrote the book, one of the reasons that you did is because there wasn't a book out there to help you. You said so well, I wrote the book I didn't have. So share a little bit about that and how your book can help people deal with this particular trauma, or any trauma.
2: Oh, going through this whole process was such a eye-opener, if nothing else. It blindsided us to the degree that I was uh, just left with so much frustration as to how to handle the situation that I had no knowledge of. So immediately, I would go to the internet, I would go to the bookstores, I would go uh, to any kind of resource that I could find about how Am I as a Christian mom supposed to handle this situation that my son is going through? And I found books that dealt with the gay lifestyle. I found uh, information about people themselves going through this, but I did not have any guidelines. I didn't have any information, any personal uh experiences from others that have gone through this with a with a child. So I was just literally left by myself with as as far as information goes. When I was going through this, I uh, made mental notes of of things that that we had got not intentionally, but reflecting back, I'm saying there has got to be something out there. So when I uh, unfortunately when my son passed away. It was really hard to, to reflect back, but I, the thing that God impressed on me was that this needs to get out to the public. What I have gone through has to go out there to people who not only are struggling with this particular situation, but with anything. The lessons that I learned uh-huh. going through this can be uh, applicable to anybody going through any kind of, of tragedy, any situation that, that they're tossed in the middle of and their lives are just in an upheaval. So that's where uh, I came to the position. And it was through a writer's conference that one of the coaches actually told me that uh, when I told her my story, she, she actually told me, you need to write the book that you needed to have but did not. So, hence the book.
1: (laughs) No kidding. Well, before we give too much away, let's start from before the day that your Mm -hmm. son actually voiced those words to you, Mom, Mm -hmm. I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. Did you have any clue what he was going through?
2: None. Absolutely none. He was a very normal uh, acting boy. He did boy things. He liked boy things. It was just absolutely uh, the the activities that we shared together. I, I was so looking forward to having a, a son that would be involved with all sorts of sports. He was very athletic uh, like myself, so we enjoyed doing all sorts of things. So there was nothing to indicate uh, anything to the contrary. So um, I had nothing to to go back on. As I look back, I tried to look at some maybe clues that were dropped here and there. But no, there there was nothing. It was definitely uh, dropped from the sky, as it were.
1: And tell us about that moment.
2: When he approached me about this, we had fortunately we had a very um, open communication relationship. we could talk about lots of things and and the first thing that that he did was he he just asked him and this was when he was a preteen and uh, the question was very normal Mom did you ever think you should have been a boy and I didn't think too much about it because at that age kids question their sexuality, they they question where they're going, who they are, and so forth. And uh, he knew about my weightlifting, and obviously weightlifting is a very masculine sport, and here I am, a woman in a masculine uh-huh. sport. So putting those two kind of together, I didn't think too much about it. So that was kind of the first uh, discussion that we had about it. Uh I didn't again I didn't think too much about it but later when we had some more discussion he came out and he said that very definitely I've been holding this in too long I am coming out mom I know I should have been a girl. So those words just wrenched through my heart. I didn't know how to deal with it. Uh I didn't know what to say next. I didn't know how to confront it. I was just totally at a loss for words at those piercing words.
1: And how did you respond?
2: I told him that it was something that he really needed to think about, that uh, I knew that God had created him a boy, and he was a boy through and through, regardless of really how he thought about it. It's something that that it was God's plan for him to be a boy. So I I came about. I didn't want to uh, as it, it hit him over the head with with facts and figures and so forth. And naturally, I didn't have any at that time. But I didn't want to come on too hard. I didn't want to lose the communication that we had. So I wanted to find out more about this situation before I really delved into it. But, but essentially I told them you need to think about those words and we'll talk more about it later. So that's where we left it and, and I was hoping to leave the door open for more thought uh some more research on on my part apparently he had already made up his mind but i wanted to find more about this situation but it was again uh something that i didn't find out a whole lot about until much later
1: now in your res- you said there were no books available so in the research that you were doing what if anything were you able to find as a help for you there were some things that uh were written about people
2: going through this and uh, online especially there were people that testimonies of people that had gone through transgenderism and especially in their teens and they had uh found A network of people that would help them, encourage them through counselors, but most of all, it was through God's grace that brought them through a healing process to accept their uh, birth gender. So I knew this could happen. I I had hoped that this was something that my son would eventually come around and accept. I knew it would take a lot of prayer on my part, uh, but I also wanted to avail myself of any information out there. So I did some of the research. I looked on – I got some – I got a hold of a counselor. Uh, via uh, email. And at that time, this was uh, many years ago, and this was all before chat rooms and before uh, Skype and and all those kind of communications. So all we had was a little chat room via email. And that was a big support because this gal that had put this together uh, had us all together in this little chat forum to share experiences with parents that have or, or are going through this with their children. So we would present a, a, a situation and, and we would talk about some of the things that they did to handle this particular thing. So that was a big help. Uh, she also put me in touch with uh, a counselor, which I did contact. So I had a couple of people that I could go to with questions. Uh, to the extent that they they would help, but obviously they said this is something that is going it, to it's going to be his personal journey, and you're going to have to go through it with him.
1: Now, when you're doing this, when you're going through this time of research and your and counselors, etc., were you embarrassed, like to share what hmm. was going on?
2: Oh, it, very definitely. I did not share this with, uh, I, I don't think, outside of my immediate family. I just told people to pray for my son. He's going through some personal issues. So I did not make that known because it was. It was an, a, embarrassing. and And, yes, I internalized everything. I'm thinking, what have I done? Uh, what have we done as, uh, as parents to, to causes? It must have been something on our part. And of course, the stigma that is attached to a transgender at that time was that, you know, there is, that he's going to be ostracized. What are, what is he going to do? And of course, what are people going to think about him? Here's this obvious boy dressed in and he I would interject here that he really didn't dress feminine right off the bat he let his hair grow he did periodically wear dresses but there was definitely change in his dress and and you would notice it if you saw him on uh-huh. the street so uh, yes, there was some embarrassment as to how am I going to handle the the looks, the perception that uh, uh, that uh, he's getting as this person going through this obvious change. Not too many people knew what was going on, and I just had a gal the other day that uh, read the book, and she said, "Oh, I wished I would have been there for you." And I and I just told her, "Well, you you didn't know at that time because I didn't share." A lot. Yes. With a lot of my close friends.
1: From then till now has it changed at all in how you approach this subject, how you you talk about it? Because obviously you've written a book now. You mm-hmm. you do speak about it mm-hmm. and has your attitude changed or is it just the general consensus now, you know, within the community that has changed? Both. Uh,
2: obviously the, in the years since that time, uh, the perception of transgender has changed 180 degrees. It is now accepted and it is something that people don't really think that much about. Oh, it, you, you feel that you're, you need to change to the opposite sex. That's fine. We have so many perceptions now of our sexuality that it is not out of the normal realm whatever you want to do, unfortunately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my feeling definitely has changed. I am more vocal about it. Number one, I know what it is. And number two, I want to to get the message out that the change is not the problem. It's only going to accentuate it. So having seen firsthand what it can do and read the research, read the studies, read the follow up on on transgenderism, there is a problem. And to have the public accept this and to and to go full bore into this, into actually encouraging people to do this, I have to speak out. It has to to, to be said that this is not uh, the solution to this problem. Can you expound on that? Tell us why. The research has, has shown that, uh, I'll, I'll start kind of from the beginning, as a child develops, obviously they have male and female, and, and early on, there isn't a lot of difference, so a, a, a girl may show some signs of uh, maleness. A, a boy may show some signs of fema- femaleness, but as they grow, this starts to, to kind of sort itself out through adolescence to encourage a youngster to, if they are showing the signs of the opposite gender, to encourage them to follow those, and for the parents to encourage that, is only going to disrupt the the normal procedure of uh, their body physically and psych uh, psychologically and physiologically. As they get into adolescence, it is only going to make that process worse. Now you're going to have not only the natural process of things, but now if you are trying to force this change, it is now changing the whole makeup, the hormonal makeup. This child is going to be in real confusion. To take it a step further, as they go into adolescence and f- and into young adulthood, now... Like I said before, now people are encouraging the, the surgery to take place to make this transition as early as possible, the full transition. And the studies have shown that the suicide rates are, are quite high when the surgery happens. And the, the argument is, well, they're going to have this suicidal tendency if they can't change. Well my thinking is that since you're going to have these tendencies my feeling is since there has been the the avenue of of change that is to accept your birth gender let's give that a chance. Let's give them the opportunity to work through whatever is the underlying problem, so that they can accept their their birth uh, gender, and and uh, prevent the outcome that might have happened had they had the the surgery. I was just hearing uh, a report just today that the reversal. Going back from a transgender oh surgery goodness. is now increasing.
1: Really? So, yes. What kind of time frame in that? Like, do they like as preteens to teens or adults or usually
2: uh, the the studies most of the studies that I that I have read uh, they take about a, a follow up about a ten year period. So within about ten years. Of the surgery that 's when the reversal they want the reversal to 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 happen, so it 's happening more and more within that time frame, and some may be less, some maybe more, uh, but um, people are now recognizing that, like I mentioned it's surgery is not the answer to this problem
1: so there must have been a lot of counseling before the first surgery yes so yes. I'm sorry I'm having trouble here to understand how are you feeling that they're doing it prematurely as far as who's at fault here
2: <laughs> uh,
1: th- a little
2: bit of everybody if you ask me okay. the society in general is is ex- so accepting and the media is playing such a big part because they they accentuate they make these these people bigger than life that have had these and we can think of a, a couple of them just recently that uh, that have been splashed all over the media with their uh transgenderism And so young children look at this, they're exposed to it on on social media, they're exposed to it on television, they're exposed to it in the movies. And it is glamorized. It is is just put in their face so that if a child thinks, oh, maybe I should have been, Uh, I feel more like a girl than a boy that's all they have to say and everybody the parents the schools the doctors oh my goodness they are quick to jump on the bandwagon and say well maybe you should have been let's do something about that to make you feel better about it and these children have no idea what those feelings are at that age so it's it's this whole it, to ask your question yes everybody has a, a piece of the action uh to help these children go down that path as soon as possible the counselors and uh, uh, other than christian counselors are the biggest advocate so they will counsel them psychologically they will uh, implore the the parents to start on hormone treatment as as soon as possible. So uh, everybody is in on the on the action.
1: Do you feel like you are under attack, or are you being heard when you share what you're just sharing here from different platforms?
2: I think I will eventually, uh, as the the word gets out, and what I my position on this, I expect to get some some flack on it because of uh, of the of the media, of the societal change in this, and people will say, well, you should have been more supporting of him, right? You should have let him take action, and I will have to to to, yes, defend my position and tell them why. I would much rather have had my son accept his, with the hope of accepting his birth gender and realizing his potential as a boy, rather than suffering the consequences of having the surgery
1: let's go back a little bit now with your personal story. So the last time we, you know, we addressed it, basically he had just told you this and Mm -hmm. you said, let's give it some time, you know, let it, let it, let's chew on this for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, the Mm -hmm. door is open to talk. So take Mm -hmm. us through the rest of the story there without giving too much away about your book, Mm -hmm. which is awesome.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it took some time uh, before he really, uh, made a physical change but as time went on and he made these changes it was more difficult for me to accept him as he was and we we still gave him encouragement in the fact that we loved him just the way he was uh we made it known to him that we were not condoning his behavior Uh but we loved him as our son and that caused a lot of rift uh, and the more he would push this in into our lives as it were and and saying you have to accept all of me you have to accept what i'm doing you have to accept what i am becoming that became a very big struggle in the household and that was our our biggest bone of contention, obviously, was to how we were going to handle it. He wanted us to call him she. He changed his name and all these types of things. And we struggled with that. We struggled with how we were going to uh, let him know that we loved him unconditionally but we could not go along with the decision that he was making as far as this life change was concerned so there was a lot of strife uh in the house that's uh, that's for sure
1: and at what age is he here
2: he is high school uh, uh starting with about his sophomore year and uh and then uh, gradually, uh, after graduation from, from high school, then uh, it became very clear that he couldn't accept the boundaries that we had set up for him in the house. So that's when he uh, left the house. But we still at that point had, had good communication.
1: And this story, this part of this story did not end the way you expected it to, did it? Tell us what um. happened.
2: Oh, my goodness. My hope and my prayer was that God would intervene, and uh, we had so many people praying. We had people praying uh, not only in our local periphery, but we had prayer groups uh, on the Internet. We had uh, our pastor friends all over the, the country praying. That uh, that he would eventually come around and and accept what God had uh, had made him. However, that wasn't to be. In spite of our our best efforts, we we tried to get him again further counseling, of which he balked at. He sought his own counselor, of which obviously encouraged him to get the surgery and that's the path that he was going to take and he was working toward that by earning money he got a job and was uh, earning money and that was his his uh his whole um, being he was consumed with getting his transgender surgery so we uh didn't uh obviously go along with this. We didn't give him any money, and we told him we were not going to pay for anything like that. So he went off on his own, and uh, unfortunately, What had happened was that by circumstances he lost his job, which meant that he no longer had the funds to pay for the surgery. And that was the downfall. He realized that uh, uh, he no longer had the opportunity to do this, although he had a surgery date set in Thailand. Uh, He no longer could go through with his plans, so he felt that if he could not live life as a woman, then he would not live life at all, and he took his life.
1: I can't begin to imagine the various degrees of emotion that you went through, and I'm sure guilt was one of them. How did you overcome that?
2: Yes. Guilt was the biggest thing. That was the first emotion that just came over me like a wave and and just drowned me. Again, I went back to it has to have been something that I did, that we did as parents. What was it? Uh, I went through everything that I could think of. What was it? What could we have done wrong where did we go off the path we raised him as a Christian uh, boy he he had all the all the right upbringing as far as we could tell what in the world would drive him to this so it took a lot of weeks of uh, weeping and and crying out to God and just a lot of soul searching and finally uh through um, different uh people going kind of back to the the counselors that I've had, they said it's nothing that you have done. it is his decision. it was his from the beginning, so I went. And I had to search out prayer because my, my first thought was, God, you did not answer my prayer. Why didn't you answer my prayer? So I went and I delved into prayer diligently and God, as I opened myself up to his word and, and to, uh, what he was, uh, saying and, and how he was directing me through this, I came to the fact that this was God's plan and that God does have a plan for each one of us and yes it was uh, not God's perfect plan that Scott leave the world the way he did but he allowed it to for a purpose and I wanted to know that purpose and that's when he opened up all these different lessons and he said you know you can't change what has happened in the past? You can't change how you brought him up. You can't change the decisions that he made. You can't change anything. But what you can change right now is how you are relating to me. How letting me, God, work in your life through what I have for you now. Let's go forward. Let's look at what God has for me. And that's that was the turning point that I had to come to, was that yes, things have happened, things that I didn't plan on but God and His sovereignty had something more for me and I wanted to know what that was. And through that God showed me all these different lessons that, that I have learned about him, about his sovereignty, about his character, about his love for me. And how much he loved me in spite of what he had taken me through on this journey. He loved me and he has something special for me. And I wanted to know what that was. And that was the unexpected joy that I found in a deeper relationship That's amazing.
1: It has been often said to parents who have experienced a variety of things that their children have done to either embarrass or cause them pain or many different circumstances. And the response that I have often heard is children make their own decisions and it doesn't really reflect on you but we as parents do allow that to reflect on us because guilt is a louder voice usually. But also, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is how have you dealt with that particular and how can you help other people who are going through that to know that what their children decide, no matter what it is, is not their fault if they are not in agreement with it.
2: The first thing is
1: that as a parent, you
2: realize that you have done the best you can in raising those children. Hopefully, there comes a point, obviously, in every child's life where their volition comes into play into exploring who they are and their values and, and their standards as opposed to what the parents have imposed on them. And that's a normal part of growing up is to finding out who you are as that, that, uh, that individual person apart from your parents. And that's a good part of establishing who you are as that person. So as parents we have to recognize that children are going to go through this as part of that breaking away process. And they're going to make some decisions that that we are not going to go along with. Some of them are going to be detrimental, some of them we realize aren't so bad, but some of them are going to be life-changing. It's all part of that process. But what we have done as parents is What we have done in the past. So the guilt part in releasing that is that I cannot be responsible for the decisions that my, my child makes. They are going to make some, obviously, that uh, I would not support. I pray for my, ch- for, I prayed for my child. I, uh, gave him the best counseling that I could. But ultimately, it's going to come down to they have to make their own decisions. They have to live their life. And hopefully they will find that, that relationship going through that sorting out process as to what's going to make them, uh, that unique person apart from their parents' values and and standards. And fortunately, a lot of kids do make that that transition, and they are just wonderful kids. Unfortunately, we have uh, some that that go astray, and hence you have uh, the prodigals. Who make decisions that are contrary to to what our parents would would want, but as far as the guilt and realize, you, it it, it kind of comes down to an arrogant thing that I could have done something. I I could make that decision for him. No, you can't. Mm. They they have that volition, and you have to let that decision with them.
1: And how will your book help someone who may be going through pain and? In- in particular, in general, and even this specific pain?
2: Specifically, uh, it will uh, help in, in if there is a parent going through this transgender situation. Hopefully there are some guides. There is no one solution for every situation because every child is unique and every situation is going to be, but hopefully It gives a little bit of insight, at least, to what um, we did as parents in coping with this situation. It doesn't give any do's and don'ts by any means, but hopefully it will give, like I mentioned, just insight. As far as anybody going through difficult circumstances, the lessons that I uh, lay out uh As far as God dealing with me and taking me through this journey, it will give encouragement that God is with you. God has a plan. God has a purpose for everything that he brings into your life. And it's a matter of taking hold and believing every single promise that he has given to you and believing that God is who he is, he is sovereign, he is love, he is all of these encompassed in how he deals with us. And that personal relationship has to be just that, is realizing that that relationship can be so strong, and God will never, ever leave you.
1: Now tell us about your next book, Judy. (laughs)
2: My next book is uh, uh, on the other end. It is Finding Unexpected Joy Through Dreams Realized That I Had Never Thought Possible. So this is a story about how weightlifting came into my life through my husband and the journey that I took in getting women's weightlifting, uh, like you said in the very beginning, from having no competition for women to where it is now an Olympic sport. This is going to be a wonderful uh, book to write on my end because it was a, a wonderful journey, one that I had never expected to. My, my dreams of athletic competition had virtually died after college. But obviously, God had something else for me that I never dreamt possible. So I found that unexpected joy through weightlifting, and I am so looking forward to doing this.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome and exciting. And when do you expect it to be out? Hopefully, uh, it'll probably
2: take me the, the rest of this year to, <laughs> realistically, to finish it. But hopefully by next year, I, I hope to have this uh, in publication. Excellent.
1: We look forward to that. Well, Judy, thank you so much for what you shared today, for sharing your story, for sharing from your heart. And it's obviously that you have a passion to help others and a passion regarding this, this subject. I think that there's going to be many opportunities for you to share because you're sharing it from a positive perspective, which there is so much negativity around this and you have a way of approaching the subject from, being honest instead of just jumping in and like you said it's so easily and quickly supported rather than looking at both sides Mm. of the coin and Mm. so I think that's what's important and you're going to be able to offer that now just a minute here you know let's look at both sides of this let's not be quick quite so quick to rush into anything and hopefully bring some common sense into this this subject and what we're dealing with as far as children who aren't even old enough to vote and yet they can make Mm -hmm. these kind of Mm -hmm. decisions about their lives so thank you so much judy we look forward to hearing more regarding your your next book and again you've been an awesome guest and i appreciate you being on never ever give up hope Thank you so much, Carol. I so appreciate you as well. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one.